0: You are listening to the Co Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. everyone to why shamanism now this is your host christina pratt and i'd like to begin here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us so i call out first to your ancestors and to mine i call out to those people who lived well and died well and bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our lineages into our lives i call out to these ancestors these true ancestral helping spirits To step forward, to be here with us, to speak up just a bit, to be a bit more present in spite of our lost ways of connecting with them, but to come to us nonetheless and to help us to do what we are challenged to do by our time, which is to show up here and be better humans, to be a bit more courageous, a bit more heartfelt, a bit more creative and innovative, and to do what our times are asking of us for all life. And so we call out to those ancestors to be with us here today and to help us, to help us to be better humans and do what must be done for those who are coming. So with the ancestors gathering around us, not just the human ancestors, but those non-human ancestors who were here long before us and nonetheless are part of the great dreaming that brings life as we experience it here to the face of this small planet, we give thanks to all of these ancestors for gathering around us, and we turn our awareness in and draw our energy from wherever it might be into our heads and from our heads to our hearts and from our hearts down into our bellies. And as we begin to reach to the earth, let's take a moment as we touch the earth and to give thanks, thanks for life, thanks for this day, thanks for the beauty and the wonder in this day, even if you're having a truly awful day we still give thanks for life. And if you're having a wonderful day, look around and give gratitude for the beauty in all of its many forms. We give thanks for the diversity around us and the great generosity in this dreaming that even when we're having a bad day, maybe a bad month, maybe we're sure we're having a bad life that is inherent in the very nature of the dreaming of humans on this planet that if we are still breathing, we are capable of changing it, whatever it is. And we may just simply need to change ourselves in the doing of it. So we give great gratitude to the earth for life and for this dream that we share with all life here on the planet. And with that gratitude in our heart radiating out through all the layers of the earth, let us descend our energy down, down through all the layers of the earth to the very, very center of the earth. And when we reach the very center of the earth, let us anchor ourselves firmly there and take a moment And to breathe in this great essence energy, that of darkness and stillness, silence. That energy that renews and restores rising up through the earth, the very essence of abundance here on earth that rises out of that deep and regenerative stillness. And so we reach into this energy and draw it up drawing the energy of the earth up through all the layers of the earth and into ourselves, into our day, and into these proceedings. As we draw up the energy of the earth, let us use this energy to understand how to be ever more grounded, to bring our spirit into our bodies, that our spirit can be made manifest here on the earth. And from that place of grounding, help us to understand where it is that we stand, what we stand for, what is really worth living and dying for. And to live those things with our life first, not all the other distraction. And we ask the energy of the earth to help us, to help us to create a sense of hearth and home and belonging that comes from knowing where we stand. And to reach out from that place out into the world, opening the doors, setting a place at our table for those who are different than we are, those who are the other. And let us invite these people in that we might be provoked by their differences to grow into the men and women we've truly come here to be. And so as we open our hearts and reach out, let us ask the energy of the earth to help us to understand connection, connection within ourselves, connection and interconnection with the energies around us, and to keep unfolding that understanding of the great interconnectedness of things until we come to that place of oneness with all things. And we connect there and in that moment, even if it's just a fraction of a second, let us take our right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with the environment and right relationship with the invisible world we ask the energy of the earth to continue to help us in this way to come into right relationship and in this way live well live as a force of life and health on this planet and so with the energy of the earth moving in us, let us move it up from our bellies to our hearts, and our hearts to our minds, and from our minds to extend out into the day or night, whatever it is that is there above you, whatever weather is held in the day or night above your head, lately, in real time, we've all been amazed at the gorgeous moon, whatever it is above, reach up, out through the sky, out through the atmosphere, out into the cosmos, Out with all the great mysteries of the universe and the heavenly bodies. Reaching all the way out to the highest energy of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy, name it. Know this energy, connect with it. And begin to draw this energy down into yourself, into your day, into these proceedings. And in this way we call in the energy of blessing. This essence energy of blessings on ourselves and those that we touch. We call in the energy of protection. And devotion and commitment, we call in the energies that helps to inspire and illuminate the way. We call these energies into ourself, into our day, drawing them down into our head and our heart and our belly and sending it all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we become the means by which the sky connects with the earth and the earth with the sky. And these two great legendary lovers come together in this big love that gives birth to all life as we experience it here on this planet. And we invite the energy of that big love to awaken our own hearts to their true nature. And may the hearts open, the crucible of change within each heart open, to call up the fiery passions of the belly and call down the crystal clarity of the mind and let these two energies so different dance together in this dynamic tension that will give birth to this third and most essential thing for you to discover in this life which is why are you here what have you come to do what is the uniqueness that your entire life is designed for may you get some inkling of that there in your heart if you let these energies dance together And may you find in that human heart the courage to do something large or small in this day to bring that gift to the world in some way. So we give great gratitude to the spirit energies around us. May what needs to be said be said here today. What needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. We give great, great gratitude for all of the help that we have as humans to get through our day and to do so in a way that makes us ever better humans. And I want to give a special thank you now as I'm kind of catching up with these live shows after many, many weeks of recorded shows. I want to give thanks today simply for the regulars, the regulars and the recent People who have figured out um, how to set up automatic payments on their PayPal accounts, so that they can donate regularly to Why Shamanism. Now, it's an enormous relief um, to be to to be beginning to build a stable base that helps me feel confident that the monthly expenses of this show are being shared and that we are, we are addressing this responsibility together. And so I want to give great gratitude to those people who are able to do that, to Teresa and Mary and Kayleen, Derek, David, Malama, Gretchen, Sherwood, Sarah, Sylvia, Melissa, Anne, John, Deb, Susan, Katrina, Shay, William, and Elise. I want to thank you all for, for your commitment and for your efforts. And I also give thanks to those of you that have just donated once out of the inspiration of that particular show or that particular moment. I um, am grateful as well. But I wanted to honor these people today as I begin to, to catch up in speaking my gratitude to those of you that are helping to keep the show on the air. Every amount that we receive goes directly to keeping the show on the air. We, don't, we haven't yet begun to receive enough donations that would start to, I don't know, allow us to fund a scholarship or something like that. Right now, we're just trying to pay the bills. So I want to thank you all. For those of you who'd like to do so, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com. It's also another place to find the archives, especially for those of you that pull them off iTunes. You can donate any amount, large or small. All of it goes again to keeping the show on the air. And if you are uncomfortable paying in this um, internet fashion, please feel free to email me at christinaatlastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to give you a regular old address for a regular old check. So, I want to give thanks to all of you who listen to the show, who are moved by the show in some way, and it's fine with me if you don't agree, if you're moved into distraction or irritation, I expect that. I mean, I practice shamanism in the contemporary world. I don't really expect people to agree with me. So, but mostly, I'm just... Grateful for those of you that engage and for those of you who feel moved in your heart one way or another to allow that motivation of the heart to motivate your actions and that it's inspiring you to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow. And for those of you that cannot donate financially, I am still grateful for your emails, I'm grateful for your questions, I'm grateful for your show ideas, and I'm particularly grateful for those of you that have a certain kind of savvy around social networking and who are sharing the shows, who are creating conversations around the ideas, who are bringing them into your journey circles, bringing the questions into your journeys who are stepping up and doing the challenges and letting me know how it goes that all of this keeps this alive and frankly it keeps it interesting for me because you know the moment this stops being interesting to me we're done so thank you for being out there and engaging with me and helping me to know for a fact that there are people out there listening and touching being touched by the work and being willing to touch back so thank you all of you we are live today and if you have any questions about today's topic, you are welcome to call in at 512 772 1938. Or you can Skype in from the codash creator network.com site or email me at Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Um, and I'd be happy to read your question on the air or even read your question later after the show. And who knows what will happen? Possibly create a whole show out of it. So today we're starting a series. Um, I've been, be, been receiving some sort of gentle complaints that <laughs> the shows have gotten too complex, that for a long time the shows were really a great resource for people to offer to their um, students and clients who were new to shamanism. And, and it is still a great resource. Those shows are, all, are still out there in the archives. But there's now so many shows in the archives, it's, it's hard to find them. And it's part of the reason we've, we've begun to group the shows into series. If you go to the shamanismnow.com site, you can click on different series that groups the shows in, around different topics. And I've started to offer the shows as series so that we can explore an idea like children and shamanism or working with the elements um, in, in a fuller way not uh, just sort of random scattershot through the year and so this series I wanted to go back to just this idea of foundation how do we create a sound foundation for shamanic life in the contemporary world and I was inspired uh, to do this one just because that whole series on mental illness just was challenging I mean it's it's big. It's a really big topic, and it's big to talk about. And frankly, I got a little bit pooped, and so I wanted to talk about something that would be a little easier on me to talk about that could just draw from my own resources. And um, I was inspired, you know, just a couple weeks ago, we did Massive Illusion on the Authentic Self, which is the beginning of year one of the cycle teachings. And the the group, as, as is often the case these days, there are people in... Um, stepping into the cycle, that are already experienced practitioners. They've already had years of study in some other aspect of shamanism, like Peruvian shamanism or core shamanism or or whatever, or even just their own personal practice. And they, for whatever reason, they've decided to join me in the cycle teachings. And this one woman, this, this was an interesting group because the people that had a background in shamanism had very um, – their skills, the the skills that they had developed were very apparent in the the things that we did throughout the week. And yet, at the same time, the places where there were gaps, there were problems, were apparent as well. And in that way, they were right back at the beginning with the people that were new to shamanism and just starting in Massive Illusion. And this one woman, who's a very solid practitioner, who has had a very challenging life and come to her strength, her power, her heart, her shamanic practices through serious work uh, and healing. She said, she exclaimed in this one moment, it was so clear, and 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 this is what really inspired me. She said, this is so basic, and I don't know any of it. And that realization that in, in the training that she had had prior, She had, in a sense, started where she had not yet begun. I know I say that a lot, but it's a really important concept that my helping spirits taught me. Because it's what we're doing right now in the contemporary world. We can jump over the basics and dive right into these advanced teachings. And we think, because we're contemporary people, that we somehow have some entitlement to do that. And we don't realize that the basics create our foundation for Wherever it is that we're going to go with our practice, whatever our practice is, and so this is, this is true for anything, but it's particularly true for shamanism because it's getting easier and easier and easier for Billy Bob and Betty Sue uh, anywhere, in anywhere America, for example, and frankly anywhere on the globe, well, not anywhere on the globe, but anywhere in the Western world on the globe, to tap into really extreme, high shamanic states, utterly and completely outside of context, not just culturally around the shamanism, but in terms of their own basic foundation, to even understand the experience that they're having. And I don't mean that at all, egotistically, meaning I would understand it, and they don't I'm speaking about this from the perspective of we me included we as contemporary people are treading on very thin ice, and we're creating um, unfortunately creating potentially dangerous situations which could so easily be situations that save us if we would just be willing to do the basics so anyway, so thus the series is born <laughs> so anyway um, So, knowing where you stand in life and how to truly stand there is essential if you want to live a spiritual or enlightened life. The physical and the spiritual matter together. So, this is one of the many paradoxes of living life where the real energy that drives things exists under what is apparent or behind what is apparent. So, those who cannot ground their visions will not live them. It is that simple. And those who invest too much in the physical world and cannot let their vision soar will never know why they're here, will never know what visions are worth living for. And those who utterly absorb their life in their heads will, will meet neither, not their true visions, nor their ability to ground in their physical body and make them real. And these are all very common contemporary ailments. So, so what are then the cornerstones of a foundation that will not crumble under the weight of real-life challenges? Because real life has a way of definitely showing us where our foundation is weak right, or absent. And the other question would be, you know, what are the cornerstones that allow me to create a foundation that will not collapse when I need it the most because of my own denial, denial that, like so many termites, has simply rotted out the beams that support the whole structure of my life. And I don't know it until things get hard. There's a really goofy, I don't know, celestial seasoning saying. I don't even know that it's attributed to anybody in particular. I may be wrong about this, but uh, it goes something like, uh, a woman is like a tea bag. You, know, you never know the true strength until you put her in hot water. And I've, I've seen this recently in my life. You know, I've seen all these people put in hot water And they're weak. They crumble. And there is a lot of hot water for life to hand out to us these days. Things are getting worse before they're getting better. So we need to be able to be in hot water and find our true strength, our true depth, our true character. And so this is the value of a foundation. For these people that I have observed in hot water crumbling, they actually have no foundation. They have a very typical contemporary life, much, much better than mine, basically, But in the hot water, there's no there there. There is no foundation there. Yeah, they're better on Facebook and they can Google better than I can and all those things. But when the shit hits the fan, they're not there. So what does it take to create a foundation for shamanic practice? So first off, what does Christina mean by shamanic practice? So in my world, which I live in, I realize, mostly all by myself, but in my world – We see, for example, through shows like The Last Four on mental illness, that if we actually want to deal with the issues of our day, we bring shamanic skills back into our life. We, everybody, not everybody wants to be a shaman, but everybody wants to engage with life in a different way so that we do not propagate the patterns that have brought us all so much pain and suffering. So that we live in a way so that our brothers and sisters, our mothers, our fathers, and our children do not continue to suffer, and that the very problems of our culture do not simply continue to grow. And that in my world, this can be addressed if we simply learn skills and aren't afraid to use them. And in my mind, That's shamanic practice. That is a person who is like spiritual practice, a person who is bringing the skills and the practices to bear on their everyday human life, no matter where that life might be. You know, Taiwan, um, United States, Nova Scotia, um, Romania, wherever, that you're just willing to bring these skills to bear on your everyday life and allow that to change you and your life. That's, in my mind, shamanic practice. A shamanic healer is a very specific person who is not only living a shamanic practice, but is also functioning in the role of shamanic healing, which are very specific traditional healing forms. And in in my world, shamanic healer or shaman is a very specific thing. I'm not really so interested in the way the the word shaman gets used to sell products or to make your yoga sound more interesting than the one happening two blocks down the street or shaman being used to to refer to the mystical dimension of whatever work you're doing. I've talked on other shows about the Taoist concept of tending essences. If we do not be careful of our words – and tend the essence energy, the word's name. We shred those essences and we will lose their capacity. In other words, what does it mean when I tell my husband that I love him? If I also love the color blue and corn dogs? I love my new car. Well, what does that mean then when I tell my child that I love them? If I also love this new skirt, right? We tend the essences of this language because whenever we choose to speak, we are in air ritual, people. We must tend the language. So using shaman, just to talk about the mystical dimension of your life, you're human. You're innately mystical. Own your mysticism, people. Own your right to enter altered states and ecstatic states and to know that that All makes you human. The ecstatic states we get through through our dance practices right now, through different yogic practices, through different meditation practices, those practices all allow us an entry in to one of the huge array of ecstatic states or altered states that human beings are capable of entering into. And that doesn't make it shamanic. The shamanic altered states are very specific, task-oriented altered states And so we need to own our innate mysticism as humans because that's what makes us humans. In fact, it may be necessary for for any one of us to actually reach our full potential as a human to own our altered states and ecstatic states. And none of that makes us shamans. So what I'm talking about is, A, we all need to be better humans today. We're all going over the cliff like lemmings. Okay, within that, some of us are choosing to be shamanic practitioners. We're choosing to use shamanic skill sets to actually become better humans. And so these shows are for you, as the commercial says. You know, this beer is for you. This show is for you. For those of you who are choosing to actually bring shamanism, shamanic practices, shamanic beliefs, shamanic skills to bear in your life. And so that means it's people who are choosing – To express their shamanic experience, their shamanic teachings, their relationships with the invisible world, and relationships with the non-human world around them. Meaning, okay, so there's the invisible world relationships, but there's also relationships with those things in form here with us that are not human. That is also an aspect of a shamanic practice. And so for talking shamanic practice, I personally think we're talking about people who have accepted as basic practices in their life, cultivating a working relationship with helping spirits, be they animal spirits or plant spirits or ancestral spirits or any of the possibilities of helping spirits. But that it, there's an everyday, practical, ordinary, I can get into it or out of it of my own volition kind of working relationship with the helping spirits. That, that defines shamanic practice. The nature of the relationship with the helping spirits is the thing that connects shamanic cultures. That and oneness, but other, other cultures also believe in the oneness but not necessarily the relationship with the helping spirits. Okay, so moving along. Shama- in shamanic practice we value a sustainable life to the degree that we live in a way that is necessary to create it. Now, in, given our world, the contemporary world, you got to pick your battles, but you still got to pick them and address yourself in those battles with integrity and impeccability to begin to move towards a more sustainable life. Uh, number three is valuing, creating, valuing and thus creating a heart-centered life, meaning the mind and the ego support and serve what has meaning and integrity for your heart. So the mind and the ego are in service of what has meaning and integrity for your heart. And that motivates your life choices. Number four is that we value peace to the degree that you do what is necessary to create it with your life. And this is, of all of these things, perhaps the hardest. Because this means we need to work on ourselves. Because most of us are not at peace internally. And until we are at peace internally, we we can't hope be um, factors of peace externally. The fifth thing is we have an intimate connection or relation to nature, to the non-human world, not not even necessarily a sense of stewardship, but something even more humble and participatory. I like the way in which so many of the the languages here in North America of the first peoples translate to um, us, the humans, as little brother and little sister. that, that we're the babies here, and that all of nature is actually wiser and available to teach us if we'll simply shut up and live. So the last thing is the connection to a sense of higher power, a sense of source, a sense of an energy that is not translatable. In other words, there is a sense of an energy that precedes everybody's gods that is bigger than that and is not translatable. There is no name for it. So since everybody's got names for God, it's bigger than God. And it's big enough to include everybody's God. We can all have a big happy God party. But anyway, so that's shamanic practice. That, that they, these are the values inherent in shamanic practice. Okay, so cornerstones of your foundation of your shamanic practice. Okay, so we're just going to talk today about the foundation. And so it begins with engaging with the physical world, with an understanding that you are part of a whole. That you, a human, consume huge amounts of resources just to live through a day. So, the first thing is to be grateful. You are not entitled to any of it. So, use your magic words please, thank you, and I'm sorry. And where you find you need to say I'm sorry, make it sincere. In other words, you have reflected upon yourself and your behavior and you realize it's not aligned with your highest integrity and impeccability. It's not aligned with your heart and that you're going to do what you need to do to do it differently next time. So how do you say please and thank you in a, in this world around you? How, how do we say please and thank you to the non-human world? Because most of it doesn't speak English anyway. Why would it, right? Not the most romantic language. Okay. So we talked about all of these things on other shows. So I'm not going to go into them in detail because you can go listen to a whole show all about giving offerings. Be they physical offerings. I mean the first thing that I did actually in Manhattan was I started walking around with a little pouch of tobacco in my pocket. Now I don't smoke so that was kind of a significant step to take to walk around the tobacco so that whenever there was a moment of beauty or a moment of giving gratitude, I had a gesture to make, an offering to leave that I could offer there in that moment to give thanks. It's just one of many ways to do it. But my point is, it's not that hard, but it needs to be done. So offerings can be anything from songs to physical things to libations to who knows what offerings. And then the next level is creating places, shrines or altars that you leave offerings regularly and to begin to develop not just, not just the random gratitude, which there's nothing wrong with. But the next step in developing a foundation with the physical world is actually creating and opening an altar or a shrine and tending that as a place that you are opening now a regular relationship with your spirit help. And then the next thing is bringing bringing just another layer of ceremony to that so that there is repetition. And it can be as simple as watching um, someone step out to greet the day, all scraggly-haired and pajamas on, and offering up the pipe to the four directions, to the sky, to the earth, and to the center, bowing out and stepping back in for the day. So some sort of ceremony, I mean, I speak of it as altar practice and refer to it constantly in shows, but bringing the power of ceremony, the repetition of the same words, the same actions in the same place, in the same way, day after day, has the same power as your meditation practices or your yoga practices or these other practices that we do, Qigong practices, that repeat mantras, same thing. To repeat again and again the same thing over and over generates chi. It generates that energy. And that ultimately in this understanding of being in this please and thank you relationship with your life instead of this entitlement relationship with your life is this cultivating this awareness or perhaps mindfulness, if you prefer that word, of how you engage with the elements as you move through the day. So, for example, recently I've been having some challenging weeks and I haven't been very happy with my behavior because I notice that I'm constantly putting the energy of the air into this dubious position of having to carry my angry words. <laughs> so I look at that and I go, all right, Christina, you're really not doing a very good job right now um, because I haven't been able to manage all the things life has been throwing at me as I would like to over the last couple of weeks. And consequently, I have really... Um, pushed on my relationship with the air and and thus the need to go to my air shrine and apologize to the air and say i'm sorry i'm not doing a very good job right now and i get that and i'm and i'm making the air complicit 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 in my cursing (laughs) and you may laugh as i am laughing now but the truth of the matter is how we tend the elements matter on a globe where we are quickly losing The air that we need to breathe safely, the water that we need to drink safely, and the land that we can live on that has not been poisoned, that the plants and animals that we need to eat can grow on in a good way. So think about, if you want a strong foundation for the very basics of a shamanic practice, think about your relationships with the elements. So the next thing here in the, in the real basics of just the physical cornerstone of your foundation is manifesting your basic energy body in the physical world. It is your responsibility to ground your energy in a real way, a way that is not uh, requiring that particular tree you like to go hug, which means you're using the tree's groundedness, but actually cultivating your own capacity for groundedness. Now, there's some pretty cool gizmos right now. Out there that can help people who haven't been grounded feel what groundedness feels like. There's some pads you stand on and some different things that help you open up your energy meridians to the energy of the earth and to feel grounding energy. Gizmos aren't going to do it for you for your whole life, but many of us have to recover from not being at all connected and having no idea what groundedness feels like. So, so they're perfectly fine to use gizmos to learn what does it feel like and then cultivate a practice for yourself that allows you to maintain that sense of groundedness. And it's, if you do not create a sense of groundedness in life, energetically, with your energy body that becomes your norm, you'll never know where you stand. If you don't know where you stand, you don't know what you stand for. If you don't know what you stand for, you'll never know why you're here. These, these things happen in sequence. Sure, you can have great flashes of inspiration about why you might be here, but how do you know which one? The only way you know is by cultivating the kind of groundedness to know who you are, where do you stand? What do you stand for? What are you willing to risk everything to take up space for? Once you know that, you can begin to know why you're here. What matters so much to you that it's worth dying for? Or, conversely, if it was gone from the life, uh, gone from the planet, life would no longer be worth living. And how much of of your life do you spend engaged in those things? Or how much of your life do you spend engaged in things that don't mean anything to you? These things matter in terms of our groundedness, our physical manifestation here on the planet. And whether or not our heart trusts us to be manifest in form in a good way. Or whether our heart knows we're completely full of it. That we are living a false life because we don't have the courage and the patience to do the basics, to ground ourselves, to know where we stand, to know what we live for, so that we can discover, why am I here? Why are you here? What is the uniqueness in, in us? Another way to challenge yourself with this is to imagine that you're standing now, looking at yourself six feet under, in the ground. Your life is over, and you're having one last look at your body, there, in the earth, before you go on to the land of the dead, or before they shove you into the cremation fires, I don't really care where you're going, but the point is, you're dead. And you're looking back at yourself, right? And you're listening to the people. What do you hear people saying that your life stood for? What stories are they telling? What What made you matter to them? Or more importantly, what do you want to hear people saying? What do you want your life to have stood for? And what are you doing to make that a reality? This is all basic. This is a basic foundation for shamanic practice. There is no point in hooking up the big engines, getting the helping spirit energy moving through our life and and hooking up all these power tools if you're not even pointed in the right direction in the first place, if you're crumbling in the first place. What is the point of more energy if you can't figure out to do with your own energy in the first place? So finally, around these questions, and these are all excellent journey questions, another way to look at this is, how do you truly stand in your shamanic practice? Where are you caving in to cultural expectations or very contemporary assumptions? I cannot tell you how often we present the basics to people in our trainings, and people have a list of excuses about why they can't do the basics. And about assumptions they've made that make the basics unnecessary. And it's false and their practices crumble. And their butts get kicked in the second year when we start working on the shadow. So all of these things I'm talking about are excellent things for you to explore in your own journey work in an ongoing way with your helping spirits. These are not just one quick question and, you know, a five-minute journey and get a quick answer. There's nothing wrong with five-minute journeys and a quick answer. Unless you're actually meant to be learning something and exploring something, then you need to go into the journey and ask for it deeper and ask to experience it, ask to be taught, not just answered, not just have your question answered, but to be schooled. So, in the beginning of my shamanic practice, I wasn't a shamanic practitioner, I was a dancer in New York. And so what I'm trying to convey here is that at that time, I wasn't following a teacher. I wasn't going off to workshops. I didn't have any money. I wasn't taking class after class and doing whatever that teacher thought was interesting. I wasn't training to become a shaman. I wasn't doing any of that. I was simply using the basic shamanic skills I had learned to live my life. So I was deploying shamanic skills to help me live my life. um, And in doing that, in living my life that had nothing to do with shamanism other than using the skills I became a shamanic practitioner and it was after becoming a shamanic practitioner and why because they worked because they're practical because they worked because they moved me out of a state of mental unwellness into an ongoing state of mental health that I was able to manage that I was in control of and in that of course what I was seeing is how much my discomfort and suffering in life was about my own creation. And so this is what made me a shamanic practitioner. It was down the road before I became a shamanic healer. And so this is what I'm trying to say is that we're talking about building a strong foundation for shamanic practice because I hear the story I opened the show with over and over again too many times. I'm, I'm way into this shamanic life and I have no basic skills. I have no foundation. So there are just too many people using the word shaman today without any deep understanding about what it means. That it's about a history of people who've truly lived in a way that inhabits the full possibility of that word, of the essence energy that word was shaped by a particular people in Siberia to describe. And there are other words for that essence energy, but it is an essence energy. It does mean something, and we need to deepen our understanding of that. So think about this in terms of the last four shows in which we were looking at mental illness and how by looking at it through a different perspective, we could perhaps see different paths for healing. So if you listen, you will see um, that what we diagnose as states of mental illness are actually states um, that are just dysfunctional, just dysfunctional human states. very obvious why people get into them, but nonetheless, dysfunctional human states. Um, and that they involve huge amounts of suffering for the person or those around them. And that they are basically all the result of wrong relationship. So it's either wrong relationship inside the person between the ego and the spirit. And and to a great degree, this wrong relationship continues on into people's adult years because of the lack of initiation. You know, but I'm not that special and the world initiated me. You know, you have to... Give yourself to it in such a way that that can happen. Anyway, back to my little list here. Wrong relationship. So there's ego and spirit. There's wrong relationship between the individual and the invisible world. That was particularly brought out in the show about Sommet's article. There's uh, definitely wrong relationship between the individual and community. That came out in all the shows because it's a huge theme when we talk about illness and mental illness, and that ultimately wrong relationship um, in terms of the individual's healthy emotional life relative to ego and spirit, relative to individual and invisible world, relative to individual and community, that we, we don't have healthy emotional lives, which of course takes us to the second cornerstone of your foundation for your shamanic practice. Yes, it's a physical world cornerstone, but it is a cornerstone of the heart. And that the heart, heart cornerstones are frankly most often sandstone. They just crumble. Or they're calcification, so this false sense of strength around something that is actually molten inside or rotten. Or the heart cornerstone is simply not there. That the emotional life and the connection with the heart is so damaged, there's no cornerstone there the heart cornerstone requires a sound working heart that all four chambers of the heart are accessing their powers and expressing them throughout the day in life that for the for us to have a heart cornerstone we must be able to review our actions in the day and so one we must value self-reflection to even choose to review our actions in the day and where we find that We're not happy with our integrity and our impeccability. Where we're not happy with how we did that, hmm, could have done a better job with that. Hmm, that was a little bit of an overreaction. Hmm, a little bit of an underreaction. So we look back at ourselves through the day. We value that self-reflection. We accept what it is that we see. And instead of backpedaling into denial or excuses or blame, we go, hmm, what do I need to do to do that better next time? That's how we build a heart cornerstone. So we must begin to bring the potential for intimacy into every relationship if we want a heart cornerstone and to live each day with great, great courage because it takes enormous courage to love in the world. So there is no heart cornerstone in your foundation if you do not have the courage to love, period. If you're one of those people who's just chickened out when it comes to love, then your foundation is missing a cornerstone. It's that simple. So what is sandstone in the heart cornerstone? So sandstone is basically someone who is living an adult life with a child's emotional body and a child's emotions. So whenever the going gets tough, you just crumble, right? So what is calcification around something molten or rotten? So that is the habit of denial, or uh blaming others, you know, not looking at your part in the dynamics of your own life and and calcifying you know um uh, you know what calcification is, hardening your emotions around either a molten core, which is a whole lot of anger and resentment, a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of suffering, right, or a rotten core, which is the kind of core that gets created when we believe that underneath it all we're not worthy, we're not lovable, blah, 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 blah. So under you know, it's a lack of confidence. So there's all this show, but it's all show and no go when things get hard. And so ultimately, just like the crust on top of the molten lava, if you put too much weight on the calcification, you just crumble through. And then all of a sudden you're in this extreme state of emotional expression, either raging if right, the molten or putrefying in the rotten parts, all because the emotional life isn't being aired regularly, isn't being felt and experienced and moving regularly. And then finally, what if you find no cornerstone there, no heart cornerstone there? And so my question about all of this, well, it basically means what that means is the obvious, which is you're not accessing your heart. You're ignoring your emotional life and you're not, you're not giving it any energy, And so my biggest question, if you call yourself a shamanic practitioner, are you working with these kinds of images from your journeys? I didn't make all this up. This is stuff I've seen in journeys, either from myself or other people. This kind of symbolic language is precisely the value of journey states, journey altered states. And shamanism isn't all journeys. That's that's half the altered state network but the point is we're given these images for a reason because sandstone is different from calcification over molten lava they say something different about what's going on and as as we pursue those images we pursue the deeper meaning and the teaching unfolds from that and it allows our helping spirits to help us to become better humans so let's talk about what are the issues of the heart that you would explore with your helping spirits to give yourself a firm heart cornerstone First off, emotions. Yes, you need to feel them. All of them. They're a package deal. What healing do you need so that you have access to your entire complement of emotions without shutting down or overreacting when certain emotions come to play in your life? Um, The most common emotional habits are either indulgence, overindulging in your emotions, people who are drama queens, right? It's what we tend to call them, or people that deny their emotions, Explore with your helping spirits why you're doing those things and what do you need to learn to stop doing it. There are the addictions. Addictions are ultimately about where we're shut down in our heart. Ultimately, right? That doesn't mean you don't need to do your recovery program. But at some point, you need to deal with where is it coming from? Where is the shutdown in the heart? Around all of our addictions to intensity, our addictions to the need to know, our addictions to perfection, our addictions to doubt. And all of this comes back around to, remember, those termites? I talked about in the beginning of the show that have eaten away at those things you think support you, that made your foundation rotten to the core when you need it. That's why we all need a clearing practice, a true, real clearing practice that we can use regularly with ourselves or with others that can help us ferret out what is inside of us that is very logically and reasonably holding on to the thing that is keeping us from emotional health. Another Typical heart issue is you're letting your wounded child drive the bus of your life, period, and you need to knock it off, assuming you're not a child anymore, right? I mean, if you're a kid listening to the show, you got some time, but the rest of us need to not let your wounded child drive your life. And how do you, what skills do you need? How do you work with your helping spirits to change that dynamic? None of these are one journey uh, answers here. These are many journeys. This is about being a shamanic practitioner. This is about following a line of inquiry over time with your helping spirits, being in process, and being schooled by them in how to become a better person, right? Your heart needs to hear you say the new things and do the new things. You can't just do this all in your head. Your heart needs to hear you say it, and then your heart needs to see you do it, and that the heart doesn't believe in your bullshit. Basically, your mind will go anywhere with you if you got a good enough story, but your heart needs to hear you say the new thing. It needs to see you do the new thing, or it's just going to retreat again. So the thing is, if you don't have an emotional cornerstone, then you can't be grounded because it's a foundational element. So every time, if every time you have an emotion, you let your whole life get derailed, then you don't have a heartstone, cornerstone in your foundation. And so that means, as a shamanic practitioner, you're dangerous. So get with the program here. Ask your helping spirits to help you create a firm heart cornerstone for your foundation. So there's a million things to journey on, but basically the whole list adds up to the Courageous Heart teachings, which I tend to offer once a year. Um, And they're in the some there's ta- there's some shows about it as well but the important thing is to move on here you know our foundation's got four cornerstones we've talked about the physical we've talked about the heart cornerstone there is a mind cornerstone and for a firm foundational mind cornerstone in the foundation of your shamanic practice which is the foundation of your human life you need to understand the world around you and yourself in it properly so Educate yourself about how shamanic people see the world and themselves in it. Don't just be a contemporary person doing shamanic things. Educate yourself. Understand how shamanic people see themselves in the world and themselves in that world. Educate yourself with the skills so that you have the ability to identify your own outmoded beliefs and to throw out those beliefs that are rendered obsolete by your growth and your experience and your education. None of us got a perfect package from our parents. We've all got to re educate ourselves. So get at it and learn how to delete the old code. And remember always in this that Trickster made this world. So don't be fooled. Things are rarely what they seem, especially if you're letting your wounded child drive the bus. So the real energies are behind the scenes. And the way to engage with them is from a place of balance, of learning how to be liquid. Not too solid, not too airy, but to be liquid. And this, for my money, this is what shamanism offers, is how do we stay in that liquid state of grace where we are grounded enough to manifest, but liquid enough, uh, open enough to be inspired and to be receiving from spirit. So if you're a shamanic practitioner, you need a way to engage with the real energies that is reliable and that you can move into and out of at your own volition. So in other words, you need to be able to reliably enter trance states, shamanic trance states, without plant hallucinogens. Not that they're not an option, but they're not a reliable way to do it every day of your life. And if you're a shamanic practitioner, your relationship with the spirits operates every day of your life. And so there are journey trance states in shamanism, and there are embodiment trance states in shamanism, and they are both equally valuable, practical, functional, and useful and necessary if you're going to call yourself a shamanic practitioner and that the mental state required to access these trance states is how you build a strong foundational mental cornerstone in other words if you take a bunch of shamanic classes and you quote unquote can't journey then you need to work on your mental and emotional state until you can because that will help to shape you into a person who can have a sound shamanic practice So the mental cornerstone then of your foundation is a sane way of seeing the world and its complementary dualism as this world of oneness and what that then requires of you as an individual human. And so it requires a picture of yourself in the world accessing and using all facets of your human self as an expression of power with integrity. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, we are still talking about basics. We are still talking about a foundation. So if you want to call yourself a human and give back for all of the resources you've consumed each day of your life, then your idea of being in the world uh, needs to be about being in the world in a physical way, in a good physical way, being in the world in a good emotional way, being in the world in a good mental way, being in the world in a good spiritual way that you develop all aspects of yourself and that this is necessary to have It is necessary that as you see yourself as a human, you see all four facets of the human equally and develop them with equal value. So nothing less than this is going to allow you to have a solid mental cornerstone. And I cannot even tell you the uh, examples from clients of people who hold such a small view of the world so tightly that life keeps happening and confusing them because their view of the world is simply too small. It doesn't work and they keep getting angry at life for not fitting into their view. There are people whose view of the world creates their mental illness. And from that perspective, the way I talk about that is you've got to learn to not work your own nerves. Right? And these are all aspects of the way that we see the world. The issues of scale and priority. What is really just a molehill? What really is just a mountain? The distinction between inspired fantasy thinking And actually connecting with a vision worthy of your time and energy and resources being directed to manifesting it. And another common piece is just simple ignorance of science. This ignorant idea of science. Instead of really learning, educating, understanding. Science is totally cool right now. It's completely explaining shamanism right now. It's amazing. It's not an argument against. It's an argument for. And ultimately, you need a skill to clear beliefs that are getting in your way. Anyone who is growing and changing, which would be anyone in a true shamanic practice, is going to be outgrowing beliefs. And you need to know how to turn them under and to delete them. So the fourth cornerstone, of course, is spirit. And yes, spirit is a cornerstone in your foundation as a human. So in other words this whole image of, these found of this foundation comes from soul retrieval work. It comes from seeing how the loss of a part of ourself at a young age deforms or delays or completely prohibits the development of a certain cornerstone for that in a human. And when the soul part comes back, that which is undeveloped can catch up and develop. But this whole understanding that our foundation for life, and thus our foundation for our shamanic practice, has these four cornerstones. There's other stones in the foundation as well, but these cornerstones are critical. The physical, the heartstone, the mind, and the spirit stone. So the biggest issue, of course, if you, are, if you listen to the series on shamanism and children, is that children are already there in spirit. Our biggest issue as their parents is simply stay out of their way. Don't get in the way of what they're doing quite naturally. So the issue for us then, since most of us are grown-ups listening to this show, is what do we do if they did get in our way? What do we do if our parents, our culture, our school, our religion, whatever, got in the way of the development of our spirit cornerstone? So that becomes the task, to ask spirit, how do I come into right relationship with spirit? What is the nature of spirit? What does the nature of spirit help? What is the nature of the source energy? What does it mean to have the ability to touch the highest power that is unnameable and to be embraced by it? And then in the knowing of that energy, even in our inability to name it, but in that knowing of it, to be able to look around and see it manifest in all things, even ourselves. So give thanks to the spirits, to the ancestors for gathering around us here today, for the earth below and the sky above, for the heart then that unites us all. Thank you everyone for listening. Have an excellent week uh, firming up your foundation. Hello, everyone. It is 2018, and here is what is new at Last Mask Center. So first off, the cycle of transformation does begin again in 2018 with Massive Illusion, June 3rd through 8th. We are taking uh, registration now. You can go to lastmaskcenter.org um, to the homepage and download the registration form there. Space is limited, and we are currently about half full. The next thing is 2018 brings the beginning of new live transformational online learning here at Last Mass Center. And we will begin this year with energy body hygiene and the clearing practice um, that is so often referred to on Why Shamanism Now programs. And to get on the mailing list for these offerings, go to Yshamanismnow.com, scroll down to the blue part on the bottom and add your name to the email list. And finally, the one live clearing intensive That will be offered this year will be offered in Seattle, February 23rd through 25th at Tiger Lily Yoga. And you can go to lastmasscenter.org homepage and link through for the registration there. So thank you, everyone. Here we go for a brand new year. Have a good week.